church. Did, did you like, Meg's been working on her, on her mime performance, so <laughs> I was going to make some joke about only the really spiritual ones can hear what she's saying, like the emperor's new clothes, right? But no, we were having some, some technical difficulties. Um, she's kind of writing some things there in, in, the, in the thread. But to summarize, first of all, she was saying this. She was saying, welcome, thanks for joining us. If you haven't done it already, go ahead and share the live stream. And if, you are, if you're new kind of to, to watching us and being a part of the, uh, the King's Church live stream, we would love to know more about you. So I'm asking, she was asking, would you go to kingschurch.net slash connect? You can open up a new tab on your browser, kingschurch.net slash connect. Let us know a little bit about your visit today. We would love for you uh, to do that. She was also going to talk to you about giving. There's two ways to give to King's Church. First of all, you can go to that same website, kingschurch.net slash give, or you can text any amount without the dollar sign. You know, just leave off the dollar sign and text any dollar amount to this number, 859-203-1708. 859-203-1708. So thanks, King's Church family, for being faithful givers. You guys have been awesome. You've been faithful uh, throughout this season of isolation. You've been faithful in your giving online. Um, we've been fortunate because we've already been in the habit. So many of us have given digitally before this happened. So we, we've, not, um, we've not had a, a major dip, but thanks, for, thanks for, uh, for continuing to support the ministry here. So um, that, that, that was what she said, and she did a beautiful job, and I wish you could hear her beautiful voice in saying all of that. She also said this at the very end. This is really important. We will be, our, our season of, of isolation here is coming to a close. I know that many of you are aware that uh, some restrictions have been lifted in our community. Some churches are even meeting back today. Some are meeting back in a week. We will have our first public, public gathering at 301 Harvard Drive on the 31st of this month. So that's two weeks from today. The doors will be wide open for anyone and everyone to come on in. We're excited to see you again. Uh, we're going to take precautions just like everyone else um, uh, just to, to, to maintain a healthy environment here. But we are thrilled to have a finish line in sight for, for worshiping together. So the 31st will be our full public. Next week we will be, we'll be of course, we're going to be live streaming every Sunday from here on out. We're not stopping doing that. Um, but next Sunday, we're going to have sort of a smaller, a smaller uh, group on site and still live streaming just to sort of get some of the, um, the, the, the audio and video and uh, logistics um, in place before the 31st. So um, we're, we're excited and we want to see you um, here in a couple of weeks if you're in the Lexington area. So um, yeah, good morning. Hey, if you don't have it already, get your Bibles, get your word, get your sword out this morning. Get your Bibles out. Mom and dad, your kids want to see you with this open in front of you. So go ahead and grab that. Um, or you can get your devices, but you're watching, you're watching Facebook, so you can't do both. You know, So you need this. You need the analog, uh, not the digital. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. I, as you're getting that, I want to tell you the story of Lawn Chair Larry. Have you ever heard? Raise your hand if you've heard of La a Lawn Chair Larry. All right. I didn't see any hands raised, so maybe, maybe nobody's heard of it. Launch, Larry Walters was this guy back in July, on July 2nd, 1982. Launcher Larry, let me tell you a little bit, little bit of background, by the way. Uh, Larry Walters, he always wanted to fly. He wanted to be in the Air Force since he was a little boy. Um, some physical things, eyesight, whatever, kept him from, from being a pilot. He loved it. He always wanted to. Never had a chance to. He had to settle for basically sitting in his porch and watching the planes take off and land at the nearby LAX 
where, where, where he was. One day, Larry had this idea, and he goes to a local Army-Navy supply store, and he buys 45 used weather balloons. Brings those balloons home, gets a tank of helium. He fills those balloons up, and he's got, an arm, he's got a lawn chair, straps that lawn chair into the bed of his truck, I believe, to hold it secure, and one by one, he attaches 45 used helium-filled weather balloons onto this armchair. He gets peanut butter and jelly sandwich, six-pack of beer, and a BB gun, straps himself in, and cuts the lines holding him down. Now, Larry was thinking he was going to have a slow ascent into the atmosphere, you know, and he was thinking he would go up maybe a thousand feet or so. He'd have a nice view of the area around him. And when he got tired, when he finished his peanut butter and jelly sandwich and his six pack of beer, he would pull out his BB gun and he would shoot down the, he would pop the balloons one at a time and have a nice slow descent down to earth. Larry didn't realize the power of 45 helium filled weather balloons. When he cut those cords, he shot up like a rocket, not a thousand feet in the air, but close to 10,000, 11,000 feet, 15,000 feet into the air. Now, Larry was obviously not expecting this. He was a little panicked, but he thought to himself, well, I'm sure as heck not going to start shooting these balloons out. I'm just going to hang in here and wait. And he did. He had a 45 minute ride cruising around LAX. Then the airport gets this call from one of their pilots who says, uh, you know, by the way, tower, there's something strange going on out here. And the tower says something to the effect of, well, what, what, what do you see there, pilot? And the pilot says, it looks like a guy in a lawn chair with balloons and a BB gun. Well, Larry eventually got cold and he got the courage. And one by one, he began to shoot his balloons out. He began to descend down to earth, gets tangled up in a, uh, in some electric wires and doesn't get hurt, fortunately, but power has to be cut off to part of the city and you know they eventually bring him down and of course the news is everywhere and <laughs> the media and they're asking him all kinds of things about what's going on they ask him three questions they say this first of all mr walters were you scared he says yes then they say would you do it again he said no third question why'd you do it larry why'd you do it he says because you can't just sit there. I think that's understandable, right? We're not made just to sit there all the time. And this is, a, this is a weird season we're in because it's like many of us have been forced just to sit there and do nothing. And I know we're not really doing nothing. Many of you are still working. You know, some of you are in the, the essential workers category and you're going to work and some of you are, are self-employed and can still do this. Others are, are just staying busy um, at home. But this is, this is such a unique season where we're sort of forced out of, this, um, out of this really busy season into this forced time of rest. And for some of it, it's been healing. And for others, it's been disconcerting because we feel like I'm not made for this. I can't just sit around and do nothing. It's driving me crazy. It's driving my wife crazy. It's driving my husband crazy, my kids. I'm losing my mind. And to be honest, it's, it's like sometimes when we have this fourth season of, this fourth season of sitting around, sometimes we, just, we, we, we don't thrive in that. We're, we're, not, we're not made just to sit around and, and, and do nothing. You know, like the, the, the VeggieTales kid song, Pirates Who Don't Do Anything. They just sit at home and lie around. I used to have dreams about like how wonderful that would be to sit at home and lie around. 
uh, but that's not realistic. It's not, it's not where we are. Um, but here, here's why I'm, kinda, why I'm talking about that. We're, we're coming into a season where we can slowly return to doing the things that we want to be doing and we need to be doing. And that includes ministry. That includes, you know, churches are coming back. Pastors, you know, leadership teams are coming back. And we're now, we're now sort of faced with how do we get back into the game and what does that look like? And there's going to be a, a tendency, whether it's moving into, you know, establishing our, our, our church routines again or, um, or your home routines or your work, there's going to be a tendency to just sort of like strap ourselves in and cut the cables and we're going to go soaring up somewhere that we're really not sure that's God's heart for us and his plan for us. So we're not really made just to sit there, but we're certainly not made to have 45 proverbial hot air helium weather balloons centering us into the, in the stratosphere. Where is that balance? What does that mean? And, and the, the, if there is a message or a title to this message, it is the rhythm of the kingdom. And I've been, I've, I've been sort of going over this in my, in my own heart, in my own life, in my own mind of asking, asking the Spirit to help me find the rhythm of the kingdom, that pace of the kingdom. And there's a, there's a story in, in the Gospels that I want to point you to. I want us to look at this together. Maybe the Spirit will kind of give us some insight into this this morning. Can, can we take a look at that? Can we do that this morning? Um, Mark chapter 6, by the way. I want to tell you to go ahead and go there in Mark chapter 6. Um, Mark, the gospel of Mark, if, if you're not familiar with the Bible at all, and I'm hoping some of you are watching that are not familiar with the Bible, because I want to kind of, I want to tell you that God's word is amazing, and I want you to, to, to begin to discover for yourself. The, there are four gospels, four sort of stories, by the way, of Jesus. The gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These were four, four men in Jesus' day who were writing their own unique first-person accounts of Jesus' life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. So they're all four. They're telling the same story through different angles. So some of them include you know, the same things. Others include unique things. They have different styles, different purposes. Mark is, 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 I really, really, really like Mark's gospel because he just gets right down to it. You know, he's like out of the gate. Let me tell you this exciting adventure story. He starts off with a bang. He finishes the bang. And it's just, there's a lot of energy and, and there's a lot of sort of just drive in this story of Mark. And um, the first several chapters of Mark if we're, if we're looking at the ministry of Jesus with his disciples, if the, the, the first few chapters of Mark are largely the disciples watching Jesus do things. They are, they're in this observation mode. Those of you that have been in education, you know, maybe you studied education or you're in college or whatever, you know, you know those sort of like um, practicums or uh, mentored kind of things where you follow somebody else around and you observe what they do? This was their season of observation. This was their mentorship time when you know, Jesus is calling them and they, they follow him and they go from place to place to place and they do ministry, they do teaching, they do healing, they do all these kind of things, but they're just watching. But something unique is going to be happening in chapter 6. He's going to be, sent, he's going to be not just, uh, they're not just going to be observing him, he's going to be involving them in ministry alongside of him. So let me pause there and just give a 30-second 
talk to your heart. You need to know that Jesus wants more for you than just reading and watching and observing what he's doing. He wants you to be doing the same things that he's doing. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, and I hope you do, you need to know that's what's involved. Not just watching and saying, oh, that's great. I'm glad Jesus is doing ministry. I'm glad you know, the church is doing things. He wants you to be involved in the same thing that he was doing. So in chapter 6, we begin to see he's not just, they're not just watching. Now they're involved in it and doing their, their same things. So this is active partnership in ministry. Jesus wants partners in ministry. He wants you and I to join with him. So let's read in Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 7. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over unclean spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So I want you to pay attention to some things there. First, notice that Jesus is sending them out in pairs to do some of the very things that he was doing. He doesn't, in this, in this part here, he doesn't just say, go out and, and invite people to church, which are good things to do. He doesn't, send people, he doesn't say, just go out and love people. He doesn't say, go out and just be a good example to your neighbor. He sends them out specifically to do some, 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 some very direct ministry, healing, teaching, deliverance. Also, notice that he gives them authority to do this ministry. So he has the authority, and he says, you now have the authority. He passes that on to them. And also, look at how streamlined their ministry really is. He says, take nothing on this journey except, and he lists a few things that they can take, you know, like a staff, and you know, don't, don't take this, don't take that, don't take that. Just wear, basically, whatever you have on, whenever you go in, and do ministry, that, that's all you get. And I, uh, his, his ministry approach is a lot different than sometimes what we can make in our churches, to be honest, you know, it's like to do ministry, we feel like we need everything. You know, we need a, a, a million dollar building. You know, we need the latest technology. We've got to have incredible, you know, uh, equipment here and this and this. And we've got to have a, a, a super fast internet thing to do Wi-Fi. And we've got to have this kind of training and that kind of training and all this. And those are all, don't get me wrong, these are, these are all good. These are all helpful tools. But if we're, if we're being honest, Jesus sort of strips all of that down and says, you know, you're not going to have much at all. You're just going to have the authority and the power that I give to you. And he's, he sends them out to go and to do ministry. So they do this. Um, they, go, they, go, they go, they go, they, they preach, they heal, they deliver. Let's skip a little bit there now down to, 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 to verse 30. We're going to skip a little bit over this sort of part about John the Baptist. Go to verse 30 of, of Mark 6. So, by the way, they go out and they do this. They do ministry in pairs, streamlined, healing, teaching, delivering. They come back, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. I would love to be a part of that conversation. Can you imagine this? These are, these are, these are, these are not professional ministers. These are ones who, you know, just... 
a few a short season back were professional fishermen. One was a tax collector, you know, and they were just normal people. They were not the religious elite. They were not trained to do this kind of stuff. You know, many of them have never, many of them have never, we don't know anything about casting out demons. Are you kidding me? Gee, we, we've never, but they come back and they report to Jesus. And I would love to be a part of that conversation and to hear Peter, tell us what you did. And Peter would say, Jesus, you'll never believe it. It was the most amazing thing. There was this, this guy there who was blind. And just like you taught us, we put our hands on and we, we commanded healing to come. And it was incredible. Jesus, like his high, his vision came back. You know, and all the disciples were like, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And Andrew, tell us what you did. And Andrew said, well, I was going over to this, this town and, you know, there was this, um, this, this poor person there and we were able to pray and minister to him. And, you know, and, and, and James and John, tell us what you guys, and, and one by one, they would give these reports of successes. And undoubtedly, there were some failures too. I'm sure they reported those things. You know, the Bible, there's some other parts of, of the gospels that report things that they weren't able to do. You know, there was this boy who had an unclean spirit and the disciples were unable, they were unable to, to give deliverance to this young boy who was filled with a, with, a, with a demonic spirit. So undoubtedly in this conversation, they come back to Jesus and they say, God, why, Jesus, what happened? Why, we prayed so many times for this person to be healed. Why didn't it happen? And maybe, maybe the Lord just began to teach them and say, well, you know, sometimes you're going to run into that. And he would have this conversation. I don't know. But, but in their report, they, they, they give all the highs, they give all the lows, the successes, the failures. And I'm, this, is sort of, this is his mode of ministry. His mode of discipleship is to equip, release, gather back in, and let's, just, let's, let's do it all over again. And this is how he's making disciples. And honestly, this is how we, as a church, this is our, our heart as well. This is how we want to make disciples as well. You know, we, 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 we look at the works of Jesus, we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we go out, we do ministry, we come back, we celebrate together, we learn from it, and we do it all over again. So they come back and they give a report as to all they had taught and done. But look at this next, look at this next uh, sentence here, verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to rest, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So word has gotten out. You know, now people are, are hearing reports that there's this incredible power. Jesus of Nazareth has it, but his disciples are doing miracles too. And the word is getting out and people are coming from village and city and town and out there and they're all coming together and they're all just pressing in because of all of the needs and they, you know, they need, they need healing, they need a touch, they, need, they have a question they want to answer. Somebody maybe, want, somebody maybe wants a prophetic word and who knows, there's just all kinds of people coming in and pressing in against the disciples and Jesus notices this. And this is really important to pay attention to as it in, in the midst of ministry demands... Jesus says it's time for a break. That's, that's important to notice. So he could have said, when all of these people have been, you know, when everybody's done and gone home, then we can take it. He says, no, he sees that they need a break. They need a rest. They're tired. They're overwhelmed. They're, they're new to this kind of ministry, and they need to get away. So he, said, um, so he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And I want, to, I want to pause here again and speak to you, pastor to friend. Jesus, I know, is saying that to many of you. 
I know Jesus is saying that to, to you and I. Is that when, when the demands of life, demands of family, demands of work, the demands of ministry, whatever it is, whenever they just seem insurmountable, Jesus is saying, come away. Come away to a quiet place and get some rest. However, verse 32, doesn't always work out that way. So, <laughs> they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. You ever love vacations, right? I'm, I'm, Megan, we've, we're trying to plan our 20th anniversary celebration this summer. We didn't do anything for the 10th, and certainly not for the 11th or 12th or whatever else. Getting away is, is hard, you know, when you're in ministry and you got kids and all that stuff. So we, I committed to Megan and Meg, we are getting away for our 20th. This is all before quarantine. Now quarantine or Corona is here, so who knows what? what's going to happen, you know? Are people going to be able to fly anywhere? Can we even afford to, to go anywhere to get away? Um, but just, you know, kind of imagine, imagine that those of you that are, that are married or dated, you know, I'm married and you're, or, you know, you're, imagine date night and you're, you're taking your beloved on a date somewhere. Pick a place, pick like Malone's in Lexington. Got this date planned and, you know, or, or Palmer's. I really like Palmer's down there by Lexington Green. You know, imagine going down to Palmer's for a date. You've been planning this all week, and you get there, and you order the porterhouse steak, and it's all the stuff, and you, you know, you're gonna have a table out there by the lake, and you're gonna, you know, eat this incredible. Just, just the two of you getting away, relaxing, talking. You know, you dropped your kids off at the babysitter. You said goodbye. We'll see you later. You're enjoying your bourbon praline bread pudding there and some coffee. And imagine if just around the corner you hear the shrieks of mom and dad and your kids come running up to you and the babysitter comes running up to you and says, hey, we thought we would join you. Can you imagine that? If that happened, then I promise you the babysitter would end up in the lake and the children would probably be, you know, somewhere else. These disciples are desperate for a break. They're needing some time away. And this seems to be the perfect opportunity. Let's get in a boat. Let's get away. Let's find a quiet place. But it doesn't work out that way. Verse 33, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Are you kidding me? Really? You know, it's like my kids do this whenever I leave the house. Quarantine has been so, like whenever I have to leave the house, you know, often to come up here to do this. We have two doors. We have a front door and a back door. And if my kids see me get my keys, they run and they barricade themselves in front of the doors. I kid you not. They do, don't leave. Don't leave. It's like the disciples, the, the people see them making a beeline, getting in the boat and going, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We still got needs, Jesus. And they run around and they get there before. They get there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was irritated and sent them away because they disrupted his plans. No. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Why? Because that's how Jesus sees things. He sees with eyes of compassion. That's, that's who he is. Even when his plans are disrupted, he still sees with eyes of compassion. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Who is Jesus? He's a shepherd. And he sees his sheep are right here. These sheep need a shepherd. He has compassion. So he began teaching them many things.
And the disciples, boy, they're, 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 in, they're in a quandary. Because they were not expecting this. They were not needing this. They were needing the opposite. But when they get there, the need is there. The ministry follows. The demands follow. So the ministry continues into the evening, into the afternoon. The sun is now beginning to go down. And the crowds are gathered and they're just soaking up everything that Jesus is pouring out. He's teaching them, ministering to them. And the crowds are just, they're transfixed because this is what they need. This is the hope of the world. This is living water. This is fresh bread that they're just wanting to consume. They're not going anywhere. Let the sun go down. Who cares? Verse 35, by this time it was late in the day, so the disciples said to him, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The disciples know what it's like to be hungry because they, they've been doing ministry and not eating either. So they say, Jesus, come on, the time is, listen, it's getting late. You've got to send them away. We, we, we know, we, we, listen, Jesus, we appreciate what you're doing. We know you've got to send them home. And then Jesus says the most astonishing thing in the world to them something that only he can say and get away with. He says, you give them something to eat. Now, if I'm a disciple, my snarky side is going to come out in this moment, especially if I'm tired and I've needed a break for a long time and I'm hungry. I want to say, sure, Jesus, that sounds great. How about we just go order a bunch of pizzas? Let me see, we've got 5,000 people. Each person eats about two. That's going to be about 1,200 pizzas. Let's just have it delivered in. It's good news that I wasn't a disciple because that's probably what would have come out. But they have something very similar in their response. They say, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are you kidding me, G? That's like $15,000, $20,000. Are we to go and spend that much on bread? And Really, Jesus, do you want us to take up an offering and go buy that bread? Should we buy that for them? And he goes on, and, and you know, if, if, if you grew up in Sunday school, maybe you know the story of the loaves and the fishes, and he does this incredible miracle, and you know, this, the, 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 small, the, small, the small pittance that this small group has to offer, he does something incredible with, and he provides for these thousands and thousands of people. So, the story highlights the challenges our church faces as we do the work of Jesus. How do we maintain strength when ministry needs are so overwhelming? Or how do you, mom and dad, how do you maintain strength and sanity when the demands of family or life or parenting are so overwhelming? And here's another question. How do we balance that tension between compassion for others and care for ourselves, because both are important. Both are necessary. Compassion for others, but also self-care. So Jesus, I think in this, he, he invites us to find the rhythm of the kingdom, and he's, he's going to model it for us. He models it honestly all throughout his ministry. He models that perfect balance of his own personal needs, which he has. He models like, like ministering to those that he's in deep relationship with on a regular basis, but he's also balancing that with ministering to the larger crowd around him. All of those are important. All of those honestly are part of the kingdom, the, the, the agenda, excuse me, of the kingdom that, he, that, he's, that he's called to do. 
So I want to give you three things. I want to give you three ways that he models the rhythm of the kingdom. And for your convenience, they all start with R. Well, you're very welcome. So let's look at those together. First, the first one is this. Notice the first one is this. That Jesus, first of all, the first part of this rhythm of the kingdom is he reaches out. By the way, it's, it's about pacing. You know, you ever notice that, that, that pacing, pacing is a big deal when it comes to, when it comes to racing or when it comes to running. You know, we're, we're in horse territory here and we've got the, the horse races. And, and all, it's, it's, it's such a big thing to pace, to pace yourselves out of the gate the right way. I remember when I was learning to run in middle school, like learning to run track in middle school or whatever it was, not really run track, but you know how it is when you're in middle school and you take you out on the field. And it'd be like, whatever, a 50 meters or something like that. And I remember I was so excited because I would go out of the starting gate as fast as I could. I would be beating everybody else in class, but about, oh, 20 meters into it, I would just fall down and collapse and feel like my lungs were going to explode. Why? Because I didn't pace myself. And I remember the teacher and the coach or whatever came over and said, look, easily, you got to pace yourself. You can't run full sprint at the beginning if you want to finish well at the end. And Jesus knows this. There's got to be a pace and a rhythm to doing ministry. We cannot go full bore out of the gate all the time. And Jesus knows this. So I think the first sort of the first way that he does ministry, the first pace that he does is in reaching out to the lost. That's the first sort of thing that he does in his ministry. He reaches out to this larger crowd. We see it here. You know, he's that's that's part of ministry for him is ministering to the needs of those around him. When somebody comes up and is sick, he wants to heal. You know, when someone comes up and is 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 uh, under the influence of a demonic spirit, he wants to take authority and to free that individual. You know, when someone is poor or feeling you know, disenfranchised from the love of God, he wants to minister hope and love of the Father to them. Whenever he sees the, the crowds out here who are hungry for knowledge of God's word and knowledge of truth, he, he wants to take the time and, 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 and teach and open up the scriptures to them. And you and I, you know, we're, we're called to the same thing. We're called to reach out and to minister to the world around us. Not just, I'm not just talking about people that are sort of professional ministers, pastors or leadership or whatever it is. Every believer, every follower of Jesus is called to this. You are called, you are called to be salt and light. You are called to be a city on a hill. You are called to go out and to make disciples of all nations. You're called to do the same things that Jesus did. And I think that's one of the first stages of this rhythm of the kingdom is knowing this is part of my life, part of, part of what I'm supposed to do is ministry, is, is reaching out to the lost. That's the first thing. I think the second expression of this rhythm of the kingdom is not just reaching out to the lost, but being in relationship with others. And by others, I, I really mean sort of a smaller group of individuals that you are in true community with. So Jesus had, obviously, ministering to the crowd, but he also had a smaller community that he was investing in. He called these 12 men to come and be part of his own inner tribe. And even of these 12, he even had a smaller group of three or four, you know, Peter, James, and John, that he was just even, you know, even at a deeper level of, of community with. I think you and I, we've got to have that same thing as well. We need to be in community. I don't mean in proximity to one another. 
I don't mean that you go to a church. That's not what I mean. You, friend, need to be in relationship with others, with other brothers and sisters in the faith. You need to be in, in, a, in a relationship that is the, where, you, where you can be vulnerable, where you can be open, where you can find support and give support. If you don't have that, you need to find that, please. And Jesus says this, is, you know, this, this idea of community, this is so important to him. So he says, let's go, let's get away. And he calls him away. So he reaches out, he's in relationship. And the third, I think the third expression of this model of the kingdom is Jesus finds rest. He finds rest in solitude. We see that all over. In fact, on to the, the, you know, at the end of this story, at the end of the story, on, on into the end of chapter 6, Jesus gets away. It says this in verse 46, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. He knows he can't do it all. He knows that he's got to get away. He knows that he needs time. He knows that like he is only, you know, if he does not connect with the Father and rest, then he does not have the strength and the stamina to do ministry. And this is where you and I, this is where you and I, I think we tend to, we tend to sort of, we, this is the one that we tend to ignore the most, I believe. I know many in ministry do. You know, we're, we're, we're really good about saying, yeah, let's reach out to the lost and let's reach out to, you know, let's do ministry, let's be in a relationship. But how many of us say, look, you know, be, being alone is just as vital. It's just as much an expression of ministry as these other things are. And I think we can be, you know, especially in the church, you know, we can, we can be so, we can push you guys so much to go and to do and to do things and to minister and to invite people to church and be involved in this program and, you know, come and volunteer for this thing. And uh, we, you know, we need you over here. We need you on this team. We need you on this. Do we forget that just as just as, just as vital to your well-being, church, is rest. And by rest, I don't mean binge-watching Netflix at home during quarantine. By rest, I mean intentional time with the Father. Not, not, not going through a Bible study, you know, but just resting in Him, allowing Him to renew your heart. And here's the, here's the reality for Jesus to say yes to rest meant that he had to say no to ministry. And that's, that's hard to get my head around. That Jesus would willfully leave some needs unmet in that season just so he could get away. And the pragmatic part of me says, Jesus, how can you be so selfish? Why are you going up to the mountain all day long? Don't you know there are poor people down here that need you? Don't you want to be healing people? Think of all the, the ministry that you could be doing. Think of all the disciples that you could... What about this one? And instead, Jesus, you're being selfish and you're getting away by yourself. But I'm forgetting that this is... He is the one who understands the rhythm of ministry, the rhythm of the kingdom. And he knows that I can only do that ministry if I do this intimacy with the Father. I only have, I only have strength here if I have time here. So he is willing to say no to ministry in order to say yes to rest. And you and I, we've got to, I've got to learn this. Y'all, I'm talking to me more than anyone else. You know, and I, I, live, in a, I live in a town. I live in a, in a town in Jessamine County that is, you know, that's, the heart of it is, education, is, a, is some educational institutions where, where they, they train ministers and they train pastors and they train people for ministry. You know, and God bless them. I know it's, it's a hard calling to do that. But I've also, I've met many, many, many people who are in that town who are not in ministry anymore 
that had been called to it, that had been trained for it, but faced burnout at some point along the way and said, no, this is not for me. I'd much rather do this. I'd much rather do this. Because we have ignored this mandate, this, this, this model of Jesus, you know, to, 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 to get away. So all three in balance are what Jesus shows us. We cannot ignore reaching out to the lost because then we're not going to be a great commission people. We're not going to be a great commission kind of church. We can't do this because Jesus isn't doing it. We, can, we, we can't neglect to be in relationship either. We're the family of God. You can't be an island unto yourself. You're not meant to do that, friend. You're not meant, you're not meant to stay home every Sunday and be fed just online. If you're able to, some of us are not able to, I get that. But if you're able to, you're meant to be in close proximity, in person, in the family of God on a regular basis. You're meant to be in a relationship. But we're also meant to rest. We're meant to say no to some things. We're meant to just say, look, I can't do everything. And we're going we're gonna to allow the Lord to lead us through. And here's, the, here's, the, here's where the Gospels get a little bit sticky and unpredictable. Is sometimes even those times of rest that we think are, that we're heading for, sometimes even those get disrupted. So all of this, this whole rhythm of ministry, all of this is still subject to how the Spirit is leading us, Right? Even when we're, sometimes we're intending to move towards rest, watch what happens though. What happens when we find, when we will, willfully embrace this rhythm of the kingdom? We find fulfillment. Because the story ends, verse 35 and 36. It's a remote place and it's very late. Send the people away. They say, Jesus says, no, you, you, you feed them. They say, we don't have enough. He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. They come back. They say, we've got five loaves and two fish. Five loaves of bread, two fish, barely enough for a couple people. Maybe one person's lunch. He directs them to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he divides the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Who all ate and was satisfied? The crowds, who else? Disciples satisfaction, fulfillment. When we allow Jesus to set the rhythm, we find satisfaction, we find fulfillment. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish and bread. How many disciples were there? 12. I'm betting, I'm betting. I'm betting if I were one of the 12, in my snarkiness, I'm, I was the one who mouthed off at the beginning, mocking Jesus for his absurd you know, uh, suggestion that we feed them all. Now I'm shamed. Now I'm embarrassed. Now I'm feeling guilt for my own doubt that I'm sitting there. And Jesus comes up, and in love and compassion, he pulls this basket out, and it's full of fish and bread. And he sets it down. Maybe, I'm making this up, obviously. It's not in the Bible, but I'm betting that he would say, Brad, I can take care of your needs more than you can take care of your needs. I know what you need. Allow me to lead you. Allow me to set the rhythm. Sometimes rest don't come right when you need it, but trust me. Trust me. And that's, that's, my, that's my challenge for you this morning. 
I, as we move into sort of the, the, the um, you know, this new season back together and, and getting back into the driver's seat of ministry, there's a temptation to jump in and hit the gas full all the way to the floor. There's a temptation like lawn chair Larry to cut the tethers that hold us down. Can I, can I challenge us, King's Church, that we intentionally pace ourselves and recognize that all this doing of ministry, it's good, but it's not the only thing. In fact, if it is the only thing, we will not do it well, and we will not do it very long. So you have my permission to say no to some things. You have my permission to pace yourself. And if you feel, you know, those of you that are in, in, in my tribe here, if you feel that I'm pushing too hard or racing ahead too much, say, hey, Pastor Brad, look, we got to slow down. you got to slow down. I want to encourage us to come and to, to find postures of rest, to find postures of you know, solitude away. We have a prayer room here that we're going to be opening back up. It's going to be open throughout the week. I want, I want to encourage you to take advantage of that prayer room, to come and to sit. We've had some, some people come in ministering you know, two or three times a week, hours a day here, the entire time that we've been in isolation. It's been beautiful. God's been healing people. God's been ministering to people. I want to encourage you about that. I also want to encourage you right now, if, I can, if we can pray for you, if we can have uh, our, our prayer team is kind of connected in, we want to, to minister to you um, in prayer. I want to invite you just to drop some comments or prayer requests there in the comment thread. Uh, we're just going to take another few minutes here um, as we're, we're wrapping up our service. So post those in. And as much as I'm able to see those come in, I want to pray for you. We'll pray for you. And if you have any other needs that we can minister to, friends in Lexington, if you've got a need that we can minister to, we want to do that. We want to serve you in Jesus' name.